0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Logistics and joining me as always is ACFS Managing Director and CEO, Arthur Zadiros. Arthur, welcome. Good morning. Great to be back. Well, Arthur, it's been a while since we last spoke, but as ACFS is looking to close out a strong year on growth and change, there's been a number of developments across the business. Mate, there has been and um, I'm
1: hoping to uh, walk you through a few of those today.
0: Well, let's kick it off with retention. It was a big issue last time we spoke. How is ACFS faring on this front?
1: It's an ongoing issue: retention and um, and the recruitment of staff. So, always our staff seem to be uh, attracted um, to by by other companies, and you know it's our job to try and retain the good staff that we have working for us. And you know we've got a, a staff group now of just over 1,600 people so you know trying to um, keep the the, the staff and and especially the good ones is not an easy feat in such a low unemployment uh, market. So you know we're also having you know the continued issues with uh, truck drivers, mechanics, you know, an ageing workforce um, in that truck driving fleet, Um, it's a real issue for us. So it hasn't abated, uh, and it's it's still there and um, something we're still working on.
0: Last time we spoke, when we were talking about labour shortages across the country, uh, one of the innovations you took to was advertising across some of our main arterial roads. Is that something you're going to consider doing more of?
1: Uh, I don't think so. We didn't get the the desired results uh, out of that. So we've gone back to the drawing board and there's lots to do. We we just need to work a little bit harder in recruitment um, to the point specifically focusing on recruitment, not just part of HR, but actually having recruitment officers now focusing uh, on the job role. We need to attract school leavers yep. you know, directly out of school. You know It's not something our industry does very well. It's not an industry of choice when you're leaving school. We've got to work with government around migration of key roles. We've got to upskill uh, the workers that we've got working for us. And I think I've spoken about that before where we turn a grade one or two into a grade five or a grade seven, um, turn them into a large forklift driver or, or a truck driver over time. So... The other thing that we need to do as an industry is make sure, and this sounds very bizarre coming from myself um, as an employer, but we need to make sure people are remunerated well and we provide a safe working environment. And and that's at the heart of what the, the union and the government's trying to do at the moment with um, some of the changes through government. And again, um, I think we'll touch on that um, when it's appropriate throughout today's podcast.
0: So just on trying to engage younger people. Obviously, trades comes to mind, particularly in the mechanical side. But I know one of the challenges is finding younger people to become truck drivers because of issues with insurance. How how can you approach government or how would you address that? I think
1: we've got to take a, a whole new view towards the whole thing. So whether there's incentives by the government, whether insurers can take a, a different view if the younger person has taken potentially a longer training course beyond the normal. But we, we've got to look at this in a different way because you lose a lot of young people in that 18 to 25 bracket where they've already chosen their career choice. So you, you're sort of only dealing with what's left. So it's it's something close to my heart and um, something we'll continue to push.
0: <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Now Artie, there is a bit of industrial unrest on the waterfront at the moment how's that affecting ACFS and its customers
1: Yeah look there's uh, there's always going to be a level of industrial unrest uh, on the waterfront whether it's um you know on the ports uh, whether it's the tugboats whether it's uh, you know the landside transport industry it just seems to be something that um is an ongoing piece I will preface and say that um there's been some good news the tugboats, um, won't be pulling up stumps with the current industrial dispute with the MUA. And, uh, my understanding is that they've, they've got to continue to work through it at least for another six month period. And um, there'll be no, no strikes and or industrial action by either the MUA or the, uh, the tugboat operators, which is, um, rather positive. There's also, you know, the issues with industrial disputes. There's, the direct consequences of industrial disputes, and there is the indirect uh, consequences. Personally, I like to call it, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Is what happens when a um, a dispute goes on for a long period of time. Because what a lot of people don't see is, you know, the damage that's caused over a period of time, whether it's go slows, whether it's um, overtime bans. A whole bunch of other things that has an impact on the, on the broader supply chain, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter where the union stoppage is and, you know, it can happen in any part of the supply chain. But the businesses around it are directly, you know, affected. So, you know, I do encourage, and we're about to go into an enterprise agreement ourselves, but I always encourage employees and unions to try and work through uh, things in a, in, a, in a cordial manner. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but um, we, we know that doesn't always happen. <laughs> no, that's
0: right. Just touching on uh, ACFS enterprise agreements, where are you at? Our own enterprise agreement
1: uh, expires on the 30th of June in 2023 next year. The delegates and the union have, have just started their, their own internal process before they engage with us mm-hmm. as a business. I think we'll be engaging at, in about February Yeah. Um, in regards to that enterprise agreement. I'd like to think that uh, we've got a fairly strong relationship, not only with the delegates, but the broader workforce uh, and the union. Something that Terry and I are very proud of as directors of businesses is that um, we've never lost a day's stoppage and you know one we invest ourselves in those union negotiations mm-hmm. we we don't allow it to be dealt with by others obviously we get a lot of assistance uh, whether it's hr or, or legal advice and things like that but you've got the decision makers in the room yep. uh, and i think the the union uh, appreciates that i think the the delegates appreciate that and we always take an approach that you know if the if the company's doing well we always want to ensure that our employees are remunerated and doing well in regards to terms and conditions in their enterprise agreement. I think importantly, um, there's two points I'd like to to make around that, is, and that is, we're on the same team. Our employees and ourselves are on the same team, and we're actually competing against our competitors. Yeah. So we've got to remain competitive in that process, and, and I think that's that's to the second point is our competitive position in the marketplace is absolutely paramount if if our employees are going to succeed and therefore the company succeeds.
0: And I think, Arthur, if we speak more broadly about industrial relations, I know you've been heavily involved with both government and the TWU in some of the industrial changes and agreements in and around the whole supply chain. Uh, do you want to shine a light on that?
1: Yes, it's, um, it's, it's causing a bit of um, drama in the news. Um, I, I think... Um, Different newspapers are taking parts that they, they see fit. For the transport industry, I, I, I'm trying to simplify it down to a few basic matters, and that is there is a very, very large gap between the top employers and those down at the Modern Award, yep. uh, and there's also sham contracting, and then you've got the the gig economy mm. that doesn't have any terms and conditions right. and doesn't have any minimum pays, so it's about creating standards. sometimes you need to have these standards to to ensure that the industry is protected from itself, um, because you know sometimes it's a race to the bottom um, in a competitive environment, but you know rates of pay you know, should not be the differentiator between a uh, a retailer choosing ACFS or someone else. Mm -hmm. The terms and conditions in an enterprise agreement should not be a differentiator between choosing ACFS and someone else. That should be about investments. It should be about service capability. It should be about service offering. But there is a very, very large difference in agreements between the, call it the top end, and those at the bottom end, and or below the bottom end, so I'm all about raising the floor, yeah, um, and and making sure that there's a smaller gap. Yeah, you know, we also talk about collective bargaining. I don't think that's an issue for the for the non-negotiables, and I think there should be a whole bunch of non-negotiables in our industry that doesn't differentiate between different competitors, and I think. That's going to be a positive. If we can get that through, I think that'll be a real positive because at the moment, we're known as an industry of death. Rather well,
0: safety is such a big part of it. Too, it right? is,
1: and um, rather than an industry of choice. So how do we make it an industry of choice? We've got to make sure we improve the standards. We've got to make sure we improve remuneration. We've got to make sure we improve the terms and conditions that these people work under. And then I think we will far better attract uh, people to our industry.
0: Just lastly on industrial relations, there's been a lot written and said particularly now that uh, the Labor government's in, but the next round of bargaining is about to take place. What's your view on where the government sits at this stage?
1: I think the the government has been rather progressive. Uh, They did the round table in in Canberra, which um, I, I was fortunate enough to be part of, and they took on everybody's views. Everyone's got different views, no doubt. And everyone's got their own collective interests at heart. But as soon as you take one step back and actually say, How do we protect ourselves, you know, from going down to another level? What the gig economy has done, it's a real threat to those investing. The gig economy invests in in technology. Yeah. They don't invest in assets. They don't invest in their people in any meaningful way. They don't have enterprise agreements, so it's it's nearly a different playing uh, level playing field. So I'm all for the gig economy existing; it's the way forward. But I think the industry um, has to move forward together on that level playing field. You know, hopefully uh, the labor government um, will achieve that through some standards uh, and some law with the commission that's going to be implemented.
0: We're going to change tack now, Arthur, and uh, big news recently is ACFS has gone international. Uh, big announcement only a couple of weeks ago about kicking off the business in New Zealand. What are your plans over there and uh, can you tell us where you're up to?
1: You know, apart from going through the international airport, I don't really consider New Zealand being international. (laughs) Um, You know, I I sort of tend to jump on a plane and get over there uh, fairly quickly to and from. And we're very like-minded people. Yeah. So it was a logical choice. Uh, A lot of uh, Australian customers have got operations um, in New Zealand. A lot of New Zealand is also headquartered in Australia as mm-hmm. far as CEOs and managing directors yeah. who make, you know, decisions obviously with their team. But it was a logical choice uh, for us. We've started up in Auckland. Uh, we've got a 25,000 square meter warehouse, which was a big step, probably a little bit bigger than what I thought we would take a, as a, uh, as a first step, but um, typical ACFS style, both feet first and, and uh, we're knee deep. We, Looking to replicate the ACFS model, if I can simplify it. So, you know, in in, um, in Australia, we're we're a transport business. We've got a warehousing business. We've got empty container parks. We've got FCL hard stands. We're customs approved, quarantine approved. Without getting into detail, we will replicate that and we'll replicate it fairly quickly through organic growth um, and or acquisition. So, um, you know, we're we're, we're very busy. Um, you know, we were going to go to New Zealand before COVID hit. So we've had a lot of time to plan. We've had a lot of time to think about it. And therefore, it's shortened our timeline since we've arrived as to what we want to do and how quickly we want to do it. So, um, you know, it's got its challenges. Their, their, their labour market is probably even tougher than Australia's. You know, you, you come up with some challenges that you probably don't get here. we you know, even putting up racks in a warehouse, you need a DA. Um yeah, right. You know, so that, you know, I just assumed otherwise. Uh, that put us behind the eight ball. So lessons learned. Yep. Uh, we'll never do that again. <laughs> and, and, and there's lots of other things that, that are slightly different. But importantly, there's good people there in the New Zealand market. And I've It's been quite humbling to actually start up that business because it actually reminds me of um, ACFS in 2005 when we started Nobody knows you. Nobody really cares about you. And they don't even care the fact of, you know, you're, you're a fairly large operator from Australia. It's, it's no news to them. You know, it brings you quickly back down to earth. But engaging with the... Um, the staff that are there in the early stages, you know, these staff are going to be part of a, a good journey and um, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've rolled up the sleeves and um, – and, uh, You've got the overalls <laughs> back on. <haven't> <laughs> I've got the overalls back on, <laughs> but um, I've
0: definitely gotten outside and uh, gotten amongst it with, with, the, with the team. <laughs> That's good to hear. Arthur, heading back to Australia, and I've noticed there's been continual growth across the states. Uh, can you provide us an update on some of your property developments? Probably starting uh, Queensland.
1: Uh, Queensland, we've just finished a um, an additional ten thousand square meter warehouse um, with some hard stand. I think I think roughly eighteen thousand square meters of, of hard stand. Don't quote me on that. Um, and we've also taken over uh, another eight thousand square meters of warehousing, additional um, as leasehold. It's been a fairly sizable expansion in Brisbane, and, and Brisbane for us has actually been a a rather fast-growing state. And surprisingly, I, I think the, the population growth continues to grow up there in Queensland, people moving from... Particularly from the southern states. From the southern states um, as they got locked in. So, you know, lots happening up there in Sydney. Um, we've continued to expand. We opened up the uh, the Preston's Warehouse. We're still on the search for additional warehousing um, in Sydney. We are in the planning stages at the moment of building a, um, a super hub. Um, so that'll be a seventy-plus thousand square metre warehouse with uh, associated hard stand, probably about thirty, forty thousand square metres, and that, that's an effort to consolidate our sites. Um, in addition to the yeah, core infrastructure at Botany, Enfield, uh, St Mary's, and Spring Farm. So you know we're sticking to our zone strategy. Yep. Um, not moving away from that in Melbourne. We're about to announce some very exciting things. This podcast might be just a few weeks too early, but we've expanded some additional hard stand at Altona and then um, we will have some further announcements in the um, in the next podcast, I'd say. Hasn't been um, much uh, property development in Adelaide, uh, but we are looking for some additional space there. So it's not as if they're um, they're being ignored uh, in Adelaide. It's, it's just a tough market in regards to finding the right space. And in Perth, um, we're about to formally sign an agreement for a, um, a 15,000 square meter warehouse and a, uh, I think it's about eight and a half thousand of hard stand, uh, off the port in the, uh, Hazelmere area. So. It's exciting, our first journey off the port, um, and we've also expanded our, our hard stand footprints on the port, um, both for ACFS and our, our joint venture business, Tiny ACFS. So lots going on, and obviously uh, the, the key focus in regards to sites and growth um, moving forward will also be New Zealand, not just in Auckland, but uh, also in uh, Christchurch.
0: So the future's looking bright. As
1: bright as we can keep it. It's interesting times ahead. I I, I think um, the industry's been very fortunate during COVID and post-COVID, even though COVID's coming back. Yes, as (laughs) as we have
0: this podcast, correct? But,
1: you know, having said that, it's it's interesting times. You know, this current peak is probably – hasn't been the peak that we've probably all expected. So shipping rates have – you know, dropped out of Asia and, you know, surprisingly faster than what we thought they would. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. This, the warehouses are still very full. There is not a spare pallet space in the, in our warehouses across the country at the moment. So there's a lot of inventory here in Australia. Our FCL depots are near capacity as well. So there is lots of inventory here in the country. It's just a matter of whether... Clients are, are recalibrating, or just you know trying to get their inventory down before they start ordering again. But I, I think uh, early in the new year will give us some good visibility in that. What I will say about ACFS is, having said all that, is we don't necessarily wait for for you know the the peaks or the busy periods to to undertake our strategic developments. We actually tend to do more of our developments during the, the quieter periods. So. You know, if if there is, um I call it a, a bump in the track sometime next year, you, you'll see ACFS focus even more on our strategic developments and or initiatives uh, in a larger way.
0: Now, Arthur, has there been any standout states that you'd like to mention?
1: It's nearly like you're asking me about my favourite child. <laughs> um, I don't have one. <laughs> I do have children, but not a favourite one. <laughs> so... Um, Look, in regards to states, um, they've all achieved different things and I, I guess I'm proud of each and respective state for what they've achieved in the last 12 months especially and even before that, you know, the 12 months prior. So Queensland, is, as I said, has been our fastest-growing state um, and they have now become part of the, you know, what was the big two before. Um, it was always uh, New South Wales and, and, and Victoria. Well, Queensland's made it the big three and really become an important part of our business. Um, New South Wales, it's working in a very difficult environment with lots of different sites Um, so we're still working through our strategic plan which I think will be finished by 2024 but we are seeing some real promise um, out of New South Wales in what they're achieving and just really enjoy the dedication of the staff and management team in New South Wales for what they've achieved. Uh, Victoria, under the new leadership of, of Chris, uh, our general manager for the state, they've been a turnaround story, and if I can be transparent, um, they've had their trials and tribulations on, on many fronts, but they've been our success story in a very quick time, so that's probably the state that I'm now sort of looking forward to, maybe with, along with WA, um, where I think, where can these states go? In regards to our investments and strategic direction and continued investment, so we're really excited by Vic SA. You know, they are the ultra consistent state. They just keep producing in a fairly small market. Great team, um, a great customer base too. Um, may I add, they're um, you know the the ultra. You just know what you're going to get uh, month in month out. So they they've been fantastic. Um, I did mention WA, and again, a little bit like Victoria, Nigel, uh, the the general manager over there has done a great job. And really, not only turn the business around, but now driving the business to to another level. Yeah, you know, we're investing, as I said, in, in new fleet over there at a, at a rapid rate. Um, investing in uh, new sites, and we're now looking at um, new revenue streams as well. Uh, stuff that we probably wouldn't touch before. Yeah, you know, we're we're probably doing a bit more longer distance work now. You know, for for minerals and grain and and things like that. Yep. So. And you know we're excited to be in that space, the the business, and and we're you know we're attracting drivers because of the investment in fleet and things like that. So, look, they've all got their um something that we're looking. You're sitting on to. the
0: fence here, Arthur. Come on, you got to pick one.
1: Oh, look, if if I had if I had, if you had to pick one, if I had to pick one, um, look, I think Queensland has really delivered, and it was always there, but just needed to deliver, and um, I I think they've uh, they've done that, and. They will not hesitate in, in reminding me that they, um, they, they, they want to be the flagship state. So, you know, they, I think they're on their way to um, getting close.
0: Sounds like East Coast domination. Arthur, <laughs> last time we spoke, we discussed matters such as capacity, detention rates, uh, even issues with palletisation, Loscum and shep and, and the like, they, they'd run out of pallets. Are we still seeing those kind of issues in the supply chain?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, so pallets are still a real issue. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're still moving pallets from state to state just to unpack containers. Uh, container detention is unfortunately going to be an ongoing issue and companies out there still are dealing with container detention invoices from last year, let alone the, the presence. What is better to see this year is there has been an, an improvement in regards to capacity in the empty parks. And I think the empty parks have, have had a far better service offering to the industry and created some capacity and also invested in equipment, which has improved the situation. There's lo- lots more to do. Ourselves, um, we're building a, a super park in New South Wales, as an example, which, you know, have operating capacity of about 11,500 tu, and that'll be ready by about mid next year. There's some other developments that we're, we're looking at to improve our container park capacity. So I think all those matters, the industry investing assist those problematic areas. Um, you know, we, we just hope that Brambles might invest in uh, creating more chip pallets. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's ongoing and it's a work in progress.
0: Now, Arthur, one matter that we did want to cover off today is suppliers and the key role that they play. There have been a few standouts and I know that there's a few that you'd like to mention.
1: Yeah, look, there's, there's lots of suppliers. I think we've got something close to 500 suppliers, but probably, probably four that, you know, I think we really heavily rely on and in no particular order. Uh, Vaudrey, our trailer supplier, they produce six sets. They've just got us in their pipeline, six sets of trailers every month. You know, the month before they say, what type of trailers would you like? And then they just keep rolling them off and, and, we're not an easy customer. Um, I'm not an easy individual at the best of times, but, um, you know, we're, we're not an easy customer. We do change our minds. or there's customer demands that jump in and change things and, and vaudrey have just, um, they just kept working with us. Um, you know, admittedly, we must be a good customer, but, you know, they have been working to the needs of our business on an ongoing basis. Uh, Daimler, who produced the Mercedes and Fuso trucks for our business, we just bought our 50th Mercedes, I think in, in the space of less than two years uh, just recently, uh, which was a milestone in itself. And we just put in an order for another 50 um, to roll out over the next 12 months. One thing Daimler have done is they've always ensured that ACFS has stock of truck. So that 50 that we've ordered, they're basically holding it for us somewhere in their pipeline. So when our customers call upon it or we call upon it for for additional growth somewhere, those trucks are there at short notice. When I say short notice, they're basically on our doorstep within four weeks from order despite the shortages of heavy vehicles
0: around the place. Well, I'm glad you raised trucks because I have heard rumours abound that you've been looking at investing in electric vehicles, particularly in the trucks. So uh, do you mind sharing a little bit of that?
1: Uh, You you have it on... um, you know good authority obviously so um we are we ACFS are going to have the first two heavy electric vehicle trucks um that are capable of pulling uh the larger weights uh, on metropolitan uh roads um uh, we're going to trial those trucks in Sydney just to 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 put them through their paces and see what works and what doesn't work we're really excited by that because if if that trial does go ahead that's our future.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, you know, along with hydrogen, so we've got a, a truck that's being retrofitted with a hydrogen engine. Um, yeah. So we are testing um, the, the, the space of renewable energy, you know, right through our business in different ways. But we're excited. Daimler has uh, kindly chosen for us to, to test pilot these first two trucks. Um, and again, that's, that shows the strength of our relationship with our supplier.
0: More importantly, it also shows ACFS is a leader uh, when it comes to innovation in this area.
1: Absolutely. Um, one of our key themes at ACFS is why are we different? And again, we, we've got to find ways of being different um, on an ongoing basis, not telling people what we do, but telling them why we are doing it differently. And and that sometimes means you've got to lead the pack. And if it means getting, um, you know, out in France, in the in the renewable space, it's something that the the business is very passionate about.
0: And are there any other suppliers that you care to mention? Yeah, so um, you know,
1: two other key suppliers, Labor Power. Um, you know, is our casual labour supplier. They're a big part of our business, and it's a very very difficult role. Like you know, I think we're we're getting about three hundred casuals off them a day around the country. And it could drop by fifty. It could increase by fifty. You know they're dealing with a a tight labour market, and they've got to deal with our ebbs and flows. You know we get our perms that come to work every day. They've got to deal with the ebbs and flows every day. So it's a real tough business. You know we started a a contract in in Melbourne. We found a site on on a a Tuesday. We signed the lease uh, on a Friday, and we opened up the warehouse on a Monday with staff. You know, Labor Power assists us in doing that. So all those things happen very, very quickly. I'd also like to point out to one of our key property partners, Logos. Uh, they're probably a, a, our largest landlord um, and uh, around, um, you know, I sort of talk about sites away from the port and also on the port in Brisbane in their case they've been a great partner they're a pleasure to deal with they understand us we understand them um, and we're able to move quickly the deal that we've just done in Perth is also with Logos um, so they had done a spec build and uh, all of a sudden we come along and we get them to change their spec build so they've got to go back for to get their approvals but that's what they do and they do it for us so and we've done a you know, the New Zealand warehouse is Logos. Um, uh, and we've got, you know, a number of other properties. So, look, they, we really engage with them as our preferred partner where we can. Um, so, we sort of do engage with them before we sort of start looking uh, to the outside world.
0: Now, Arthur, on a lighter note, uh, one thing I do know about you is you're a very passionate man, whether it's business or your beloved roosters. 2022, it's been a challenging year, but overall, what have you enjoyed delivering for the business and your people this year?
1: Uh, interesting question I think you'll find it's 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 not the greatness of of growth of the business or anything like that um, it's actually the smaller things um, you know we uh, purchasing a truck for a uh, a truck driver who'd been with us for 30 years um, we we purchased a, a Mercedes for a bloke called Mick White in in Vic, and we put a picture of the of himself a cartoon character on the side of the truck. and And delivering that 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 truck to him gave me a lot of satisfaction. Of you know, it meant a lot. No one's ever bought him a brand new truck um, to drive over thirty years. I went you know to uh, a union dinner where one of our delegates, uh, Spacey, um, interesting uh, nickname. But, you know, he'd been uh, awarded by the union a a special award for his dedication to being a delegate. I I think it was um, 30 years as a delegate. He must have been fairly young um, when he first became a delegate. But it's those little things. I, I don't know if it's... It's if it's whether it's age or maturity or what you want to call it, but it's so much more the people factor now that I'm getting so much more enjoyment of just seeing our our people in a good place. So you know, purchasing the the first fifty trucks, the next fifty trucks, so our people can drive nice trucks, improving the facilities so our people can be comfortable. It's become a really big focus for me personally in the, in the last twelve months, and will continue to be so in the next twelve months. The discussions that I'm having, um, with Terry on a regular basis behind the scenes is, is people and culture. You know, what can we do to, to keep driving, not only drive success, but deliver sustained success? Um, and you need good people to do that. So, you know,
0: we're, we're working hard on it. We're not perfect and there's definitely a lot more to do. I think those two examples that you shared with us then just demonstrate the culture within the business when you have employees that, last the test of time 30 plus years and people taking pride in their place of work you know be it with a new vehicle so i mean hats off to you oh thank you now finally arthur before we let you go christmas is just around the corner obviously the workers are out there flat stick at the moment it, it is the busiest time of the year but what message have you got for you know employees customers suppliers everyone in general
1: yeah the the final few weeks leading into Christmas is always a really tough period um, especially when the the kids start to go on school holidays um, so we we find that um, employees get a little bit more sick and and our clients uh, get a little bit more demanding uh, as they lead into Christmas. We've just got to stick together um, we've got to stick together we've got to look forward to Christmas day you know the the Christmas New year's festivities but, you know, we've got to keep ourselves safe, um, COVID-free where possible. On that note, I would like to to wish everyone well for the um, for the Christmas period, both um, our staff and that of our clients and, and the broader community. I hope everyone has a, a good, happy and festive season.
0: And on that note, Arthur, I wish you and your family all the best and uh, have a happy new year. Thank you very much. Thanks again.